Hi, and welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation focused on youth mental health. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you all know that all content that is found in our podcast is created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition, and never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard in this podcast. Thank you so much, and without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Mindful, Beautiful, and Thriving podcast series focused on youth mental health by Tarika Foundation. I'm your host, Dr. Lina Kanzode. Today, I'm interviewing another great resource on the treatment team for eating disorders. As you know, we've been talking about this treatment of eating disorders in the last few episodes. And today we have a nutritionist who is in the Bay Area. Her name is Wendy Sterling. So thank you, Wendy, for joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Wendy, do you want to take a moment to quickly introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about you? Sure, I'd be honored. I am a registered dietitian and board certified specialist in sports dietetics and certified eating disorder specialist through IADAP, um, International Eating Disorder Association. And I have a private practice in the Bay Area and I've co-authored two books. One, How to Nourish Your Child Through an Eating Disorder, which is geared for parents, as well as a book called No Way, W-E-I-G-H. So I am excited to join you today. That's wonderful. Thank you. So Wendy, we are on this journey of trying to understand how the treatment for eating disorders work. And in that process, we've been interviewing different providers of the treatment team. And I would like to first ask you, what kind of teens come to your office? What do you really see? I see a variety of all kinds of teens struggling with eating issues, and that can be binge eating, restrictive eating. I also get a lot of athletes because of my sports background, and so often there's a combination of all kinds of issues, maybe an athlete with any of these eating concerns. They may have an official diagnosed eating disorder or just some kind of eating disorder on the spectrum. But one thing I just would want to emphasize is that eating disorders and disordered eating come for people in all shapes and sizes, ethnicities, races. There is no one look for people with an eating disorder. And I often think patients think they need to be emaciated to be quote unquote sick enough to be struggling. And that really is just not the case and not who is in my practice. Wow, that's really important to understand that you don't have to wait till you actually get to that stage of being emaciated to actually go to seek help. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Very important. So Wendy, what's exactly your role in the treatment team? We've talked about this concept of it takes like a village to raise a child and so it takes a team to treat eating disorders. So what's your exact role? Yeah, my job is to really help clients and families with the food aspect of working through this process. And that really is to help clients facilitate 
their way towards reaching medical goals, though I will say not all clients have medical goals. You know, medical goals would be things like weight restoration, though again, not all clients will require weight restoration. Um, normalization of vital signs, resumption of menses for girls, or normalization of testosterone levels. And for those that don't have those issues, we're still working on reestablishing one's relationship with food. And so that typically looks like helping them to eat more regularly, consistently, include more balance, include more variety, and helping them towards a diet of less anxiety around food and more food freedom, as we like to say. Awesome. So it doesn't really just restrict to like, oh, you're trying to just get to this medical goal of weight restoration. It sounds like it's much more broad than that. Oh, yeah. And I often say, even for the people who do need to gain weight, long after they do restore weight and restore vital signs and get periods back or restore testosterone levels back, there is a lot of work often that needs to be done beyond that, like learning to eat a cookie and not feeling anxious. And that can happen after medical stability and all that stuff has been done. That makes sense. So my next question for you, Wendy, is that I I would imagine it's incredibly challenging to convince someone who's not eating to start eating again and build that healthy relationship with food and gain weight. How do you do that? That's the finesse. And it's not always easy as you can imagine, but typically somebody who is struggling with an eating disorder isn't happy. You know, they're not happy. They're not feeling great. They're tired. Their energy is poor. They're constipated. They're really just not feeling great. And typically I tap into those reasons to help remind somebody what we're going for. And sometimes I have medical reasons to also help. But again, as I mentioned, not everybody necessarily has those medical reasons to help. And so together we try to motivate based on trying to live a more, I hate to say normal life, but a life free of anxiety. And it can be overwhelming for people to do everything at once. And so we sort of just present how things ideally would look and then just take slow steps where we are able to. Sometimes we're not able to go slowly in the case of really being in a medically frail state, like we've got to move and move quickly if somebody's in medical danger. But when we can, you know, sometimes it feels less overwhelming to just take one step at a time. Great. So it sounds like you really are very patient and you take one step at a time, you really work with the client and kind of step-by-step build on that. Yeah. And I will just add, it's a team effort. You know, you mentioned in the beginning, it takes a village and it really, really does. I can't emphasize that enough. Most of my patients are working collaboratively with a psychiatrist, therapist, a medical doctor. And because I work so closely with, you know, children and adolescents, many of them have caregivers or parents or whoever, you know, in their household to also support them. And so it does really take a village and that's important. Yes. Thank you for emphasizing that. So, you know, Wendy, how often do you see your clients with eating disorders and what do you actually do during those visits? Yeah, the frequency depends on what their actual treatment is, if they're involved in family-based 
treatment, I might actually see them less frequently because those patients are being monitored very closely by other treatment members. If they're medically fragile, I might see them more closely. If they're less medically fragile, but really struggling enormously with the amount of food they're eating, I may see them more closely. If they mostly have it, but are working on things like variety and you know, types of food that they're eating, I can space things out a little further. Sometimes when we're in the variety trying phase, like the rebuilding of the relationship, more time helps them with just giving them some space to try some things. You know, and during a visit, especially a follow-up visit, we are checking in on how our plan went, what potentially went wrong or what went great. A lot of times we're getting some really good feedback on some victories and what were some of the bumps in the road and then what potentially we would like to see happen, you know, moving forward and checking in on just sort of any changes in treatment protocols or medications or exercise and so on and so forth. That's super helpful to understand. So does your work restrict just with the teen or you also work with the family? And how do you kind of balance that with the teens? You're always like, you have to try to give them that space and have them build that trust with you and keep some information confidential. Is there something of that sort, like you have to maintain confidentiality in an eating disorder teen or how do you kind of work with that with family? And that's something that has actually shifted in my practice, I'd say, over the years. I've been in practice for a long time. And when I first started out, I did it, you know, more one-on-one with a teen. And I would say in the past probably seven or eight years, I've really worked to include more parents in my session. And now I really see almost all of my teens with their parents. And we can thank family-based treatment for that, which is the first line of treatment for adolescents and children struggling with eating disorders, where a lot of research has come out saying that the involvement and parental support really helps to get kids better, that the parental support, even at a time when teens are trying to become independent. And look, no teen welcomes that. You know, many of them want to be independent and they don't want their parent to help them or to do much. But the reality is during adolescence, many parents are still, you know, making kids lunches and they are still making the food for dinner. And, you know, maybe we're talking about added support around breakfast and some snacks, but research has shown that it can be really effective at a time when an eating disorder voice is very activated. And so it's meant to be temporary. It's not meant to be forever. And because of that, I really do a lot of my sessions with the family, almost all of them, I would say. And if there's someone who feels that they want some privacy, we can certainly do that. But because I'm not doing therapy, I'm really doing food and snacks. That's not so private. That's not so intimate. And many of my teens understand that. Yeah, that's actually a good point you made. Yeah, I think it really reinforces the whole family-based treatment model also if you're doing that, right? That way they're getting the same message that this is something we are going to fight together as a family and providing that support and empowerment can be really huge. Yes. Okay, so my final question to you, Mendy, is what's the advice you have for the youth to maintain good nutrition You know, with the social media that's taken over our lives these days, kids are constantly seeing other kids looking skinny and wearing certain types of clothes and showing their body and and feeling like, oh my gosh, I am not as good looking or my body image is not the same as I would like. And so I see that that does influence a lot of 
they're eating and they try to like cut back or they're trying to exercise. And it's like, you know, they are in this classic identity formation phase. They are trying to fit in. They're trying to figure themselves out. So they can get easily influenced by those things around them in the environment. And so I would like you to give one piece of advice for our youth who are listening to this, how they can maintain good nutrition and still kind of look pretty good. Yeah. So it's interesting when you say that, I find myself wanting to just give one extra piece of advice, if I may, (laughs) which is to unfollow anyone who is showing triggering images on social media or provocative food-related messaging that somebody knows to be a little wonky. I find that a lot of my teens will come to me and be like, well, this person on Instagram said, do A, B, and C. It sounds a little strange, but what do you think? And I just feel like if your intuition says something is strange or something is triggering you, like an image that you're seeing, unfollow it. Like if that is bothering you, I just think social media it can be really good at times and some of it can be really provocative. So that's my bit on social media. Just clean that up for yourself. And then with respect to good nutrition, I mean, I think it all comes down to basics. One of the fundamentals that I often find people forgetting is to really stay consistent with a very consistent roadmap, three meals, two to three snacks, and actually eating real food at each meal, like a yogurt and a banana does not constitute breakfast. So I think what happens is that people either skip breakfast or they just have too little at breakfast and then they feel really, really hungry later on in the day and maybe are binging or grazing throughout the day or overeating. And if they just would have had a plate of something that was balanced with all food groups, toast, avocado, and the yogurt and the banana, you know, they just might have had fewer cravings and fewer binging episodes and perhaps just felt more satiated throughout the day. And so the idea of a roadmap is just, you know, balanced meals, breakfast, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, right? And actually filling up the plate and not being afraid to fill up the plate throughout the day. That's a super wonderful piece of advice. I want our listeners to really follow that. And being a medical professional, I totally second that because that's what we know that your body needs to grow and you are in this crucial growing years of your life. You need nutrition, not just for your body, for your, for your brain to grow, for you to be able to do all the things you want to you know, do in your future. So, so thank you so much, Wendy. This, I think, would be very helpful for some of the parents and the youth listening to our podcast to get an insight into what kind of a work a nutritionist does on a treatment team for eating disorders. So really appreciate your time again. And listeners, you are listening to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving. Please continue to rate and review us and share it with your friends. We want to reach to the larger community because we are sharing this wonderful wealth of information from experts in the field. So until next time, stay safe and thank you. You are listening to Mindful, Beautiful and Thriving, a podcast series by Tharaka Foundation. As part of our youth series, we will be releasing new episodes every weekend, so make sure to continue to check those out. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and thank you so much for listening.